You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for KanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you follow this podcast on all platforms and also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. It's our weekly scheduled program scouting the opponent and I have JC Zemball uh, joining me from NC State Rivals. Thank you for joining me today, JC. Thank you. And Miami, of course, is going to travel to Raleigh this week to take on the Wolfpack. Uh, should be a fun game, another primetime game, Miami. I, I, I can't think of another year where it's been this many primetime games uh, mm-hmm. for the Hurricanes. Uh, but uh, should be a good one for sure. Uh, um, the coach of State, Dave Dorman himself, he, he made some headlines uh, this week uh, with uh, after their win over Clemson 24-17 was the final score he said uh to steve smith who was actually on game day earlier that day that well steve smith actually said that uh, nc state is a basketball school and dorian said you know basically to to kiss his ass (laughs) after the win um which was funny uh, to hear um just what can you tell me about his personality and is that something that you're surprised to hear at all? Um, yes and no. So, you know, basically Smith was, it wasn't so much calling NC State a basketball school, that just that their fans were looking to basketball season. And, you know, whatever it was about it, that, that got into Dave's craw. And obviously, you know, say it was Saturday before noon, you know, he can't wait to say it. What, like uh, five o'clock, five thirty, yeah. you know, whatever time it was when the game ended, it was still in his head at five thirty p.m. You know, all those hours later. Um, so sometimes got, some people in the media have referred to him in those kind of moments as Salty Dave, and mm-hmm. usually Salty Dave comes out when they play Clemson for some reason, like more often than other opponents, whether they win or they lose. There's a little saltiness after playing Clemson. Now, the the great irony about the the NC State-Clemson rivalry is that, um, assuming Clemson can't get out of the grant of rights over the next X amount of years, is that the ACC is like, yeah, we, we, we don't want NC State and Clemson to play each other all that often anymore because of SMU, California, and Stanford. So that was kind of like the one of the big news from last night. So a, a very underrated... Um, I, I consider it a rivalry. You know, people might say, well, Clemson has won most of the games. But, you know, the, the, there's something about that game that either it's a huge win whenever NC State has done it in the past. There's always a little bit of friction between the two schools on the recruiting trail because typically, historically, Clemson will try to come into North Carolina and get five, six players each recruiting class, obviously players that NC State wants. So then some, sometimes it becomes very big recruitments, which is what happened with uh, Dexter Lawrence and guys like Will Shipley. And then, you know, 
you just kind of find out where you are, you know, in terms if you're going to win the ACC, historically, it's been the last, say, 10 years, you have to go through Clemson. You know, before that, when it was Florida State and when Chuck Amato was the coach at NC State, you know, Florida State was was that type of litmus test. And, you know, it was a huge deal when NC State beat Florida State. So that that was kind of like all the background there. Um, it went bigger than I thought it would. You know, I think I don't know if that's just the credit to the fame of Steve Smith, even seven years after he last played a game. You know, but between Dave Doran's fame and Steve Smith's fame, it, it really combined to be something. Um, you know, I don't even have a lot of followers, you know, because I'm essentially re, re, restarting a site. Um, but it went over 300. It's a closing in on 300,000 views on Twitter and closing in on 100,000 views on Instagram. That's just me. So yeah. you, you add all the views together from everybody. You know, obviously Dave Doran got seen and heard from from a lot of eyeballs that maybe didn't know who Dave Doran was. Um, but to get back to your original question a little bit of kind of like his personality, he's more reserved. Um, there's always been an edge to him, and the edge usually comes out if they lose um, or if he doesn't like something. But, you know, he's very consistent. He usually knows exactly what he wants to say before he says it. Um you kind of know what you're going to get at each press conference, each media availability. Uh, in a lot of ways, he's very much like um, the person he replaced, which was Tom O'Brien, who was pretty much the same type of way where, you know, if, if, if Tom was going to do something that he thought was viral, it was probably something well thought out, you know, days before. Um, you know, in Tom's case, he went after UNC when they were going through the academic scandal and, and basically called it the triple play of, doing things that were wrong. And that was his viral moment. And I'm sure he thought about that well before he said it. So sure. that, that, you know, I think you have two kind of coaches. You got some coaches that fly off the cuff or, or, or you know, maybe do what, what Devil Sweeney did last night on his radio show where, where I'm yeah. sure he didn't, he didn't plan to go off on a radio caller, but it just kind of happened. And then you have coaches who, who pretty much generally know what they're going to say before they say it. And I would say, uh, you know, over 11 years, you know, Dave Doran is is pretty good at what at conveying what message he wants out. Yeah, I actually just saw that uh, headline with with Dabo this morning, and I was like, okay, wow, things are are troubling over there in South Carolina. Uh, but on on to this game. Uh, NC State may, made a change at, at quarterback. Um, you know, they uh, decided to go with Brennan Armstrong, who was at UVA. I mean, that's that's a quarterback that Miami is familiar with. Last year went to four overtimes um, against uh, last season. And he reunites with his offensive coordinator, here, uh, well, there in Raleigh. So, wh what have you seen from Brennan Armstrong at quarterback, and and do you think this marriage uh, with uh, the offensive coordinator is working? Well, it looked like it was going to be this dynamic where it was going to work, and there was a lot of excitement going into the season, <coughs> or at least buzz. 
And after, I think it was seven games, specifically the Louisville game, which is the seventh game, the, the NC State offense just couldn't do anything. Like, it was just one of those games. And Louisville's got a nice defense, but it was just one of those games where nothing worked. You know, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass the ball. There was no no spark. You know, the, the, the crazy thing about that game is Louisville needed like a like a 53-yard field goal or something to win it. Um, so, you know, State was right there despite not really having any semblance of an offense. And then, you know, Monday's press conference comes along and, and you know, Dave Doran dropped the bombshell like four or five minutes in and he kind of waited a bit. And all of a sudden he's like, well, MJ Morris is going to be the starting quarterback. And it's like, oh, okay. So now you have this situation where MJ Morris, who was going to redshirt, and then with the dream of being a three-year starter, that was, you know, the plan. You know, now all of a sudden he's thrown back in middle of the season. And there was a lot of hope and excitement about MJ Morris. And he did okay in some ways his first game, but he also was throwing some errant interceptions. You know, he was trying to shake off rust. And now it's it I don't know if I don't know if we've truly seen the true MJ Morris, but it's like this combination where state's very conservative on offense. You know, they're they're not going to do anything like super crazy. They're not going to air it out, you know, 50 times in the game likely. So because of that conservativeness, it's one of those deals where it's like, okay, MJ Morris isn't really making much of an impact himself either, but at least he's a sophomore. He'll get better and they can figure out if he's the guy for the future, you know, and, and, you know, you got a couple dynamics at play where a, they could go into the transfer portal and get a quarterback down the road. B, you know, if they can get him to sign in day, there's a player in South Florida that some of your readers might know about, or people watching the pod named Cedric Bailey, that's on his way from Shamanad Madonna. And, yeah. you know, what someone's going to have to be the quarterback, whether it's a Bailey or Morris or somebody in the portal, um, you know, but at the moment, the offense is doing just enough to get by. Um, and usually that just enough involves freshman wide receiver Kevin Concepcion. So you got uh, Morris, I, I guess, like uh, at quarterback now. I was, I was uh, actually was unaware. I'm not really following NC State that closely. So um, w when did they make that change? But right after the Louisville game. You know, they they threw MJ in there and um you know they had they had a high scoring total against Marshall. Um now since that game Marshall's not done very well. But you know, it states trying to do things, I wouldn't say smoke and mirrors, but you know, pop passes to Concepcion, uh lighting him up in the backfield, um, and giving him the ball. Um you know, the running game not hasn't truly gone on track. Um, now, Brennan Armstrong actually came in sometimes for Wildcat quarterback situations. Sometimes he was a running back or slash fullback, H-back, whatever you want to call him. And, and wow. that, in a way, that could be a smart way of using him moving forward. Um, but they're just trying to – they're trying to piece something together. And 
<laughs> it's funny the the joke I, the half joke last week when I was talking to Larry Williams of of Clemson rivals is whichever team could get to twenty four points wins, and that kind of has that vibe for state where I don't expect them to get to thirty five or twenty twenty eight could be hard, but if they could get to twenty four with their good defense, they have shots at winning games. Um, but if state doesn't make mistakes, doesn't have silly penalties, forces a turnover or two as a good kick return, you know, that's how they piece it together. So like last week, Peyton Wilson gets a pick six, uh, the senior outside linebacker is one of the best in the country, you know, so that, that six points set, you know, that's, that play was essentially the difference. I mean, you know, seven point game against Clemson. Um, you know, it's interesting how, you know, Miami, you know, is coming off of squeaking by Virginia. Now, Virginia had Calandria quarterback when State played him, uh, the true freshman, because right. Musket was hurt. And I did watch the, the Miami-Virginia game. Virginia's much improved some, even from the time they played State. But, you know, State squeaked by Virginia, and then, you know, State did just enough against Clemson. And obviously Miami kind of has a similar history with those two opponents. Um but I, you know, I don't know what to, I, I don't know how much NC State's going to be able to score offensively against Miami. So that's why I always, that's why in my head, if they can get to 24 or even maybe even 21, you know, and then play stingy defense, like that's, that's their formula. Like they're, they're, they're not going to out pretty a team. You know, they're going to try to grind it out and, and muck it up and um, try to win those. 24-17, 21-17 kind of games. Gotcha. And, and Morris, is he more of a, a, a dual-threat quarterback? You mentioned that Armstrong it comes in as as maybe a dual-threat option, I guess you could say, uh, coming in at H-back in different positions. Is Morris more of a dual-threat, or, or is he more of a uh, in-the-pocket uh, pro-type pro passer? Yeah, I'd say Morris is more in-the-pocket Um I think he could take off if need to. Um, it's one of those deals where he played two and a half games last year and then hurt his knee. And I don't know if there's just a, a, a theory of what's not running too much because what's not risk any kind of future injury. He's not the, the biggest quarterback around. Like he's got good height, but I mean, he's, you know, he's not a bruiser at quarterback like Armstrong was. Like Armstrong looked like, you know, a quarterback who could be a linebacker. You know, where right. where Morris, he runs when he needs to and he can. But uh I think he would prefer and they would prefer uh he stays in the pocket for the most part, and not get hit too many times. You know, I think I think some quarterbacks I call it a pitch count on how many hits they get. You know, you're yeah. you're 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 going against fate if your quarterback gets hit, say, seven, eight times compared to, like, three times. You know, and sometimes it's a, it's unavoidable where you're in the pocket and you let go of the ball and they crush you. And that, that's kind of the hits that MJ has been taking, more pocket hits when he lets go of the ball. Um, he hasn't been, like, complete, completely crushed, like, maybe once or twice when he takes off and runs. He's more judicious about it and Maybe he gets out of bounds or he slides, but, you know, he's not trying to run over people. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Now you mentioned NC State likes to likes to muck it up, um, you know. And last year the defense was was clearly the strength of this team, and it seems like that is pretty much the same deal this season. What can you tell me about this defense and how have they kind of come up big in games this season for the Pack? Um, I think the big thing about State's defense in general is they try to keep teams in front of them and then make tackles. You know, they don't they don't miss too many tackles. You know, the the real only frustrating thing about the defense this year is they've given up some really big running plays, which they didn't do last year. Um, last year was like really fluky where between all the, all the games, like they probably only gave up like maybe five, four or five quote unquote big plays. Like it wasn't many and I, yeah. four or five might even be too many. It might've been like two or three. I mean, it just felt like, it felt like it was one of those years where teams didn't get the cheap 60 yard touchdown. I, I remember Virginia Tech getting a big play and, um, in their passing game. And, and I think the receiver might be transferred to Notre Dame. But what's happened this year is, you know, UConn running back Victor Rosa had a huge run, like 72 yards. And um, the the big bruising back at Notre Dame rumbled for like 80 yards on the first play of the second half. And <laughs> they've had plays like that, which were more of the unfortunate, you know, defensive breakdowns. Um, but they've been lucky. You know, they haven't had too many of those, but when they do, those those have been frustrating. So, you know, in general, besides keeping teams in front of them and, and uh, just being a really good tackling squad, um, they blitz a lot. And I mean a lot. So, you know, <laughs> they, they try to – they don't get a lot of sacks from the D-line. They get their sacks from blitzers in the secondary or the linebackers. Um, gotcha. Their best – Pure pass rusher is a junior college transfer named Jacavis um, Hibbler. And he'll come in like on obvious passing downs sometimes. He can turn the corner. He's that that 6'2", 260-pound dude that just knows how to get around the corner. Um, Devin Van is a good defensive end. Should have a chance to play in the NFL. But, yeah, a lot of blitzing from the linebackers or secondary. Don't know where, you know, confuse the, uh, an offense by – doing it from different angles, different spots, different uh, sides of the field, you know, some twists. I mean, it's it's one of those deals where they're trying to confuse the quarterback by just making his life miserable. And, you know, for most of that game against Clemson, Cade Klubnik was off. You know, his his rhythm was just off. And, and that's the goal is to confuse and, and make it difficult for a quarterback Every now and then, you know, sometimes they'll do the the three-man rush, and then you have the eight guys in the zone, and um, yeah. sometimes it drives fans nuts because it takes a quarterback web all day to, to figure out what to do. But most often, it's interesting, even, you know, because they're throwing against eight defenders, you know, a lot of times quarterbacks still can't find somebody open um, despite having all day. So it, that hasn't really hurt uh, State's defense too much. But uh, but the bread and butter is, is good tackling and a lot of blitzing. Gotcha. I, I do want to ask, because there's so much kind of fluctuation in the scores uh, of the season from the pack. I mean, 
gave up uh, 41 to Marshall, gave up 45 to Notre Dame, but pretty much kind of shut down Louisville, only held them to uh, held them to 13 points. Uh, you know, last week you held uh, Clemson to 17. Um, why do you think there's so much, I, I guess, fluctuation in, in the point total uh, from the defense? I think, you know, the, the Notre Dame game got away from them in the second half. The, the tight end for Notre Dame in particular really hurt them. Uh, and then, like I mentioned, the, the running back really got things going with the 80-yard run. You know, most most games have kind of been that situation where maybe three plays get away from them. You know, like, for instance, the Duke game, you know, that was another game. It was two offensive plays. That's all Duke had. Of course, mm-hmm. the irony is State did the same thing to Clemson last week. They had two offensive plays for 120, I think 120 yards or 122 yards. And then the, the total yardage was like 205. So it was like one of those deals where basically two plays at 120 of the 205. Duke did the same thing. You know, running back, gashed the defense. Something was wrong. Straight up from the alignment, took off for the races. And then Jalen Calhoun did a double move on a backup quarterback and uh, toasted him. 69 yards. That was it. And that's all Duke needed that night. I mean, Duke's defense was just, it goes back to State's offense isn't, isn't strong enough yet, and Duke just shut it down. The Marshall game was a little bit of an anomaly. Um, you know, Marshall had 41. Part of it was a pick six, so really 35. Um, what they did really well is they had a quarterback, Fancher, who could really run. Sometimes he'd run into trouble. Sometimes he'd run himself into sacks, but he could run. And he would put, you know, you never knew what you were going to get each snap because, you know, he's just a little wild. And that could be fun and that could be hurtful to a team, but but that's what happens when you're an athletic sophomore. And it'll be interesting to see what Fancher looks like as a senior. So they passed the ball really well against NC State. You know, they had four or five receivers who, you know, maybe not big names, but they knew how to make some plays. And Fancher, you know, made things happen. Um, you know, it was one of the, one of the rare times. I don't even – it wasn't even like a deal where you felt like what Marshall did could be replicated. But yeah. but you, but NC State was very disappointed with, with giving up those 35 and the way things went. Now, in in many ways, though, they, they ended up with, like, a ton of sacks, and they made Fancher earn every single yard he got in the passing game or running game. But I think it was, like, like my memory is, like, he, he, had, he either ran or threw the ball, like, 72 times or something, which wow. is, like, you know, astonishing number for a quarterback. So that, that tells you his usage. Um, not a lot of teams are going to have their quarterback throw or run 70 times. So that, that was just a, a different kind of game. Um, but yeah, usually state holds teams into the, you know, it, I like, it's hard to get to 28 points on state. Typically, if you get yeah. to 28, you've done some good work and, you know, you take out the overtime games and whatever, you know, that's all, all credit to Notre Dame in that second half. They were the better team. Um, but there weren't a lot of times this year where, 
you know, they could just couldn't stop someone or slow someone down. And, um, you know, I was at Duke was playing with their backup quarterback. Clemson is, is a little bit on the lost side right now offensively. So it's, it's easy to see how they could shut, you know, or slow down some teams like that. Miami is a yes. different animal if Tyler Van Dyke is playing at a, at his upper echelon best. Um, yeah. You know, they're going to play UNC down the road. You know, UNC usually always scores. So if they shut down a team like UNC, then that really tells you, you know, how good NC State's defense is. Even Georgia Tech has been scoring pretty good. Um, not that State plays them, but, um, you know, it, it's interesting how there's some teams that have – that can really score in the ACC. <laughs> There's some teams in the ACC. It's hard. It's it's been a real, real struggle for them to get on the scoreboard this year. Yeah, for Miami, it's it's kind of both at times. Sometimes they look great offensively, and they're humming. And other times uh, they just look anemic. Uh, so it, it's 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 really kind of a flip of the coin at this point to kind of predict how they'll come out offensively. Uh, one more question I Mark, would I think be... Mark Fletcher will make a big difference. If, if Mark Fletcher plays the way he did last week, I think he'll make a difference against State. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The freshman has been looking outstanding um, as of late, and hopefully A.J. Allen could also play as well. He um, left the game last week with an injury, hamstring injury, so maybe he can go as well. He's more of a... I would say their home run threat after out of the backfield. And um, wanted to ask about the playmakers on offense. Of course, we kind of know about Concepcion. So what, what kind of makes him dangerous? And what are some of the other uh, playmakers that, you know, Miami should be wary of? Um, Concepcion, I think, is one of those players, you know, who I got to see sophomore year and junior year and, you know, really – you know, knew what he was bringing to the table before he even committed to NC State. And I just call him a gamer. You know, maybe maybe the NFL people will say he's not big enough or he's not fast enough. And my response to that is that's fine. It just means they'll end up in college for four years. You know, be, you know, do do you know help NC State really do something for four years. But you know, what was always clear about him is that you know, he was just, he was fast enough to do what he needed to do. And he's got a certain amount of toughness to him. Um, I always appreciated his versatility, which he's shown at NC State, where now they're they're giving him the ball in the backfield. They're doing the pop passes or reverse jet, you know, jet, uh, sweeps and jet sweeps and things like that. Um, he's not punt returning, but he could do that if called upon. Um he generally catches most passes or thrown his way. Um, you know, for the first handful of games, he would catch the seven, eight, nine yard pass. Nothing crazy. Um, then in the Marshall game, they used the jet or the pop pass with him. So basically he was running like a running back. It just, you know, counted it as a pass. So that inflated his numbers. Um in some games, um, maybe it wasn't even the Marshall game. It might have been the Virginia game. I don't know. My, 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 everything's starting to blur together. But there was yeah. like one game basically where he, he was credited with like eight catches, but like four or five of them were just simple pop passes where, you know, 
we caught a pass that was like one foot long, two feet <laughs> in length. So to me, that it's essentially a run. Um, what made him unique in the, the Clemson game, so he rips off a 50-yard run out of the backfield. <laughs> they actually took a linebacker and converted him to kind of like a running back, fullback role, let him start for that specific play. And he crushed a dude on a block, and Concepcion's off for the races. So simple, simple play, smartly executed. You know, um, not so much how great Concepcion was, it's just huge hole, and he ran through it. The the second play was impressive in the fact that he's going against Toriano uh, Pride, who I know was touted coming out of East St. Louis, and I want to say he's a sophomore at Clemson on the corner. Clemson signed a huge blitz, just the whole the whole house. And MJ Morris threw a little flare pass, you know, out to, to KC, and he catches it, and it's literally just him and Pride, nobody else. He right. he he makes him miss the tackle, seventy two yards, touchdown. You know, yeah, yeah um, saw that really on the tackle. He gains one or two yards, no touchdown. So. You know, it was just that that was just he was better than than his, you know, better than the guy against him. Um, you know, so those two plays, like I said, that, that's 120 some like 122 yards at the 205, which then says who's the other playmakers. Well, the rest of the offense is getting about 85 yards. That's why they've been struggling. There isn't that consistent second playmaker. Um you know, Julian Gray has ability, which he's shown on kick returns. Um, Trent Pinnix, when he was healthy, had one great game as a tight end type, flex tight end. Uh, could play this week, may not, miss the, uh, the Clemson game. Michael Allen has some speed on the outside as a running back and can catch the ball. Um, but, it, you know, Keon Lassane is the veteran receiver. But that's that's been the story of NC State this year, is they don't have the second guy, and if KC gets bottled up, then they're really in trouble because they don't have the first guy or anybody to kind of make up for if teams concentrate on Concepcion. So, you know, they they can't solve. I don't think you can solve that with four games left of the regular season. So, even though it's been obviously a very source of consternation really since the opener against UConn. Um, I mean, there's not much you can do. I mean, that's, that's, that's problems that get solved in recruiting and, and the transfer portal. So, gotcha. you know, <laughs> it is what it is, which is, goes back to is if they can get to 21, 24 points and make the game ugly, then that's, that's the formula, at least at the moment. Now, they can come out and score 35 against Miami, then I'm going to guess Hurricane fans are going to really start wondering about their defense. And, you know, it, it would have to take a lot of great things to happen for State to get into the mid-30s. But you know, that's that's their, you know, that's their identity at the moment. Well, it sounds like from what you just said that if, if Miami scores 30 points, then they probably win the game. Um, Miami has failed to to reach 30 points in the past uh, couple of games here, but they're able to, you know, win those ugly, muddy type of games um, in overtime in the last last two against Clemson. 
and Virginia. Uh, the line came out as four, um, four, four and a half, I saw, uh, to Miami uh, to win this one. Uh, if you had to predict the score, you know, what would it be and why? I mean, I think, I think State's going to have a nice advantage playing at home at night. Um, you know, the, it's funny. In the Midwest, they love noon games. In the South, they love eight, seven o'clock, eight o'clock games. And it's just the, the contrast. So State fans love to be able to tailgate all day and then go to the game. So that, yeah, that, my, that makes them happy, happier than anything. So it will be a full stadium. They'll, they'll have close to 60,000 or whatever it seats. Um, you know, it might, might take a little bit for them to get into the stadium in the first quarter from the tailgate. It might take a little bit for them to get back into the stadium after halftime because they have pass outs at NC State. But, at, but they are a factor when they're there. And, you know, I think Miami is probably a, a – 21 to 17 kind of win type of game. I could see Miami winning 21, 17 or, or maybe even, um, 27, 24. Um, I, I, that would be my, my thinking at the moment. I, I'm not the Miami expert like yourself. I've only seen them against Clemson and I saw them against Virginia. So I, I feel like I know what they can do. I, I, I get a sense of them. I think State's going to have to do something special to maybe chip or have a second blocker against Reuben Bain. I think that's going to be a big problem. Um, you know, part of the mucking it up, part of my theory is uh, State's got a heck of a punter and kicker. Like their punter will get it inside the inside the twenty yard line on his punts on the on the regular, big leg, and then the kicker hit a fifty seven yarder against Duke, um, and was a. Uh, uh, was a finalist for the kicking award a couple years ago when he was at Western Kentucky. So they have that down. Um, I, I think my, clearly Miami has a great kicker too, um, yeah. from what I've seen. So it'll be interesting. It could be a battle of field goals, you know, between the two kickers. So that's why I'm trying to, that's why I kind of wanted to have scores. The easy way of thinking would be 24 21, but then I'm like, oh, state would be three touchdowns, no field goals. State's going to get some field goals. Miami's going to get some field goals. That's how, kind of how I see the game. But I just think Miami has a little bit of an edge um, because I think they just they have a better offensive identity at this point. You know, they they know who they are. If Fletcher gives them the lift, that I think they could. If Van Dyke plays way sharper than he did against Virginia, uh, we know what, what he's capable of doing. Um, there's a great, you know, Miami's got that great possession receiver who just knows how to get open and make plays. Um, you know, I don't, I didn't notice much of a tight end this year, which is kind of Miami like neither Um, have we always (laughs) seem to have an NFL tight end every year. Yeah. But I just think Miami seems to know what they're doing that maybe the one X factor is, you know, you kind of Miami's kind of got that chess piece themselves where they have the 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 really speedy back that ripped it off against Clemson, but he's really a receiver. And yeah. they kind of use him the way NC State uses Concepcion. I'll be curious to see whether how many touches, I guess, because I think what Mario Cristobal's joke was he could never get enough touches. Um was his, um Smith? That's last yeah. time. Rashard Smith, yeah. Yeah. So I think he could be a real factor because he's he's got big play speed. So I'll be curious to see how he does. But 
I don't think Miami is just going to be able to like, you know, knock NC State off the line of scrimmage and do predictable running play after predictable running play. And it's also hard to throw the the flare pass out, the the swing passes because State makes those tackles. So my hunch is that, you know, if Miami wins, they're going to have to really earn it and maybe pop off of a, a big play, big play or two. And that, that's kind of how I see the game, at least on, on a Tuesday. Yeah, I totally agree. When you were talking about Concepcion, I was like, wow, that's the same way that my, kind of Miami uses Bouchard Smith. So I was thinking the same same yeah. thing here. And I, I, feel- I think Smith's got a little more speed um, than Kevin, but um, – you know, Kev, the state knows that they have to get Kevin the ball 10 to 12 times some way, somehow, whether it's running the ball or, or catching the ball. Um, if a defense takes him out, it'd be I don't know what state would do. Like, I don't know, you know, what what their alternatives would be in terms of trying to score points. So, you know, that that's kind of where they are um, a year from now. I'll be talking about a freshman named Jonathan Paler, who's a local kid, 45 minutes away. And people would be like, oh, okay, whole offense, totally different. You know, he's that guy. He's just that guy. You know, five nine, not even a tall guy, five nine, uh, state champion in track. Um, kind of like uh kind of like a Ray Ray Joseph in, okay. in what what Ray Ray might be one day, but yeah. you know, where Miami basically lets Ray Ray do the returns. I think NC State is basically gonna let Paler do everything next year. Return right. game, getting the ball as a running back, getting the ball as a receiver. Some of the things that Kevin Concepcion is doing right now. But Paler will probably get some of those same plays. And then I could, you know, a year from now, I'll be like, okay, um, the offense is a little more diversified, has different threats. But it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a grinded out offense at the moment. So... Yeah, but yeah, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, uh, I I see it very similarly. Uh, I I think it it could be a, it could be a kicking fest uh, because uh, I think these two teams probably have the two best special teams when it comes to kicking is concerned in the country. Uh, Miami's got a punter from another punter from Australia, Dylan Joyce, who's been outstanding, and um, from Andy Borgalis's performances last week, uh, he could be considered. Hey, Lou grows a finalist, um, the way that he's kicking and just the clutch kicks that he's made. And he's been pretty much money with touchbacks as well. So it could be a uh, a field goal fest uh, on Saturday night. And yeah, I think it, it's going to come down to a couple of, couple of big plays. I do think Miami finds a way to kind of pull this out. Uh, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I, I think it's going to be very similar to the last two games for Miami where it, it's, it may come down to overtime again. We may see a, a third straight overtime game for, for Miami because I, I do think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout on, on either side, uh, but I think Miami squeaks one out with an Andy Borgalis field goal. Thanks for joining me today, JC. Uh, great stuff from you. Uh, make sure you check JC out at NC State Rivals uh, for information on the Wolfpack. Uh, thanks again for joining me. Thank you. And that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Storm Tracker Podcast, Scouting the Opponent. Make sure you 
subscribe to our website, canescounty.com. Use the promo code Miami30 for the first 30 days for free. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Until the next episode.